Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago guides you through the rocky landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. This is episode 100 of Museum Archipelago, and I'm in a rental car 80 kilometers outside of Helsinki, Finland, looking for a museum. In 400 meters, turn left onto the ramp. I think I can feel we are close to the Gulf of Finland, but not just any museum. I'm deep in rural Finland because of the name of this project, Museum Archipelago. You know, I hope the museum has a bathroom. When I was starting this project and choosing a name, I hoped to create an audio lens to look at museums as a medium and to critically examine museums as a whole. If no museum was an island, I reasoned, why not name the show after another geographic feature, a collection of islands? And I enjoyed the symmetry with Gulag Archipelago, just a slight sinister undertone that maybe this won't be a fluffy museum podcast. And when I came across the quote by the philosopher Edouard Glissant, I imagined the museum as an archipelago. The name stuck. Museum Archipelago was snappy and a great name for a podcast. There was just one problem. The Archipelago Museum, located somewhere in Finland. Ah, I see a sign for the museum, but I can't pronounce it. For the first 20 or so episodes of the show, Every time you search the words Museum Archipelago on the internet, the top results would be about the Archipelago Museum in Finland instead of my podcast. Now, this didn't really bother me. Well, maybe a little, but it didn't really bother me. Archipelago is a great word, and the museum was all the way in Finland, and it certainly was around for longer. But as Museum Archipelago continued to grow and my search rankings improved, I didn't forget about the Archipelago Museum. I would wonder what they were up to. I would wonder if they had heard of my podcast. Maybe they came across it one day. Maybe I was annoying them with my similar name. Every few months, I would have the idea to contact the museum, to highlight the similarity and hopefully make a new friend, only to remember that they didn't have an email address. An old email address from an archived version of their website always bounced back with an undeliverable error. The more I thought about it, the more it sank in. The only way to reach the museum was to physically show up at the museum. No planned appointment, no scheduled interview. A few years later, with help from those of you who have supported the show through Club Archipelago, visiting the museum finally became possible. I decided to hop on two planes, book a rental car, spend a night in an airport hotel in Helsinki, drive down the coast, and visit the Archipelago Museum in person. Even if there was nobody there willing to talk to me, it would still make for an interesting 100th episode. Turn left, then your destination will be on the right. This is the Archipelago Museum. Your destination is on the right. Wow. I think it's open and I see a WC sign. Okay, I'm gonna park where it says parking. The Archipelago Museum is a long old stone barn on the Gulf of Finland that's packed with boats. Very 
good. Thank you. I would love to visit the museum. Yes, you're uh, welcome. One ticket, please. Yes, that's five years. This is Naomi. Hi, my name is Naomi, and I work at Sociago Rennes uh, as the cashier guide. Super. Whatever. <laughs> Naomi told me that the museum only gets one or two visitors from the U.S. each summer. The Archipelago Museum tells the story of life on the archipelago off the coast of Finland. The main area of the exhibition underscores the centrality of surviving among the remote islands by fishing, seal hunting, and cattle breeding. The main idea is to see how people lived within the archipelago and like how the archipelago has sustained the people while the people sustain the archipelago. The sea is very important. That's the most like important thing. And it since it's very like the people who live here are, live very scattered because it's a bit remote. We have a couple neighbors, but then to one side there's nothing but forest for like kilometers. So you become closer with the people who live close by. Sometimes you'll have to go a bit further to meet people. And that becomes also part of like, you meet up with bigger groups of people a couple times a year because, you know, you might not see them that much otherwise. And also just like a sign point, most people here have a boat. <laughs> <laughs> most people sail. That's yes. just a thing. Yes. You do yeah. that here. People have been making this part of the archipelago their home for 500 years. And the reasons always come back to geography. We know there's been a medieval village here since the 13th century. Over here, there used to be an inland lake. This is all, there's, there's no water over here now. And see, like, the, the water line is over here, which means that there used to be, back in 1414 or 1421, there have been records that people used to live here, and this used to be, like, a bigger, for that time, bigger town, because this made it first possible for commerce to happen way more since this led to the sea. The medieval village disappeared. And over the centuries, various families lived in the area, surviving, using boats, and building barns. By the mid-1970s, the stone barn we're in now sat abandoned. This building was left, and it was like, nobody owns it, nobody was like, just kind of leaving. It was, it's a beautiful building. So then it was just decided that a lot of people like around here were like, well, what should we do with this building? It's a beautiful building, it's a shame to just let it go to waste. So this is the guy who was like, hey, should we start a museum? Because he made boats. <laughs> And they were like, yeah, there was a lot of support from the local community. 1985 is when we opened. There's a lot of beautiful things there and so much history that isn't really known about. It's only known about like from families and within families and they tell the stories. So it's nice that other people get to see it too. As the museum's brochure says, the boat occupies the central position in being the prime tool of the population. There's information about how to build boats, how boats have been built throughout the centuries, and our collection of the working boats that have been used here in the archipelago. Most of the stories that the local community tells about the archipelago are indeed told through boats. The school boats, the differences between the boats that the year-rounders used compared with the people who built summer cottages, the engine development and design through the 20th century, and the way that boats were used to smuggle alcohol during the period of Finnish prohibition from 1919 
1932. People in Finland has, have never drunk as much alcohol as they did during the prohibition. <laughs> <laughs> so it did not work. <laughs> but it was interesting. This is how they smuggled alcohol. They filled these canisters with pure alcohol, uh, most of them from Estonia or some from Germany as well. You can fit about 10 liters in one of those. Then they filled those canisters, this whole thing filled them up like that. <laughs> and then they took the rope, attached it to the boat and then went. And then if they got caught by the authorities, like you can see over there in that picture, they'd cut the rope and then this thing would fall to the bottom. And then they had this little thing. So this is a boy. It's stuck, it's attached to a bag of salt or sugar, which meant that they would go dissolve. to the bottom. And then the sugar and salt, sugar and salt would dissolve in a couple of days. So jump up again. And they uh, could and recover. They, yeah. Wow, recover. that's so clever. Yeah, they had a lot of clever ideas. The Archipelago Museum is only about 500 meters from the coast. So I ended my long journey by walking over to see the archipelago for myself. So here I am on the Gulf of Finland, overlooking the archipelago. Overlooking some islands extending out into the distance, some boats and people in them, some islands that are not much more than just rocks. It's a good place to think about 100 episodes. Doing Museum Archipelago has helped me expand my understanding of museums, far more than I expected when I started work on episode one. It allowed me to have conversations with people at tiny museums, museums so small they haven't been built yet, and giant museums where change seems impossible. It's enabled new relationships with guides, exhibit designers, and the visiting public. Walking through almost 100 museums for this project, it's still tempting to see each museum as an island. Every episode, it's easy to focus on just one museum, to examine their unique collection or an updated exhibit. But zooming out helps too, and is useful in its own way. Anyone's local museum can be a beloved fixture, but museums as an institution have a centuries-long history undergirding white supremacist, colonialist, and racist ideologies, and helping them flourish. Interrogating museums as a whole hopefully allows us to better recognize colonial structures embedded within an individual one. We can't forget the power that museums hold. And by examining the larger forces acting on this rocky landscape of museums, we have the chance, if we're careful, to wield that power for better uses than the ones that created museums in the first place. Thanks for joining me on the journey so far. I'm so excited for where we get to voyage next. Thanks for listening to 100 Episodes of Museum Archipelago. This special episode was made possible by those of you who support the show by joining Club Archipelago. I'd love to make more episodes like this one. If you'd like to help make that happen, go to jointhemuseum.club. For a full transcript of this episode, as well as show notes and links, visit museumarchipelago.com. Thanks for listening. And next time, bring a friend.